Good morning, church. How are you guys this morning? Are you doing good? Are you excited to be here? you excited we're going to baptize some folks today? you guys excited about that? Man, it's a good day to be here. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, if this is your first time hanging out here, let me say a special welcome to you. Uh, we know that you could have picked a lot of other places to hang out today. And the fact that you chose to come and, and spend some time with us here at Fusion City Church means an awful lot to us. Uh, we, we just we love to meet new people. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and as a matter of fact, we like new people so much that if this is your first time hanging out with, you, with us, uh, we have a gift for you just for coming for the very first time. Now, how you get that is if you'll take just a few minutes uh, of your time while you're with us here today to fill out the bottom portion of your program. We call that a connection card. If you'll fill that out with just a little bit of information and then take that to the hub uh, just inside the doors where you came in a little while ago, uh, we have a gift there for you. Again, just our way of saying thanks for hanging out, man. We're really glad that you're here. You caught us uh, in week two of a series that we started last week called Anxious for Nothing. Yeah, we believe, and the Bible teaches, that there's a, there's a pathway for us, there's a, there's a process, there's a, a way that the Bible teaches us to maintain or, or find some calm in the middle of chaos and calamity. The, the, the Bible tells us how we can have peace even in the midst of panic. And it's found in the verses that the, the gentleman on the screen just referenced for you. And we, we started last week with this, and we're going we're gonna to look at one verse a week for, for the, the five weeks that we're in this series. And so if you weren't with us last week, I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to week one uh, of the series. You can find that on our website at FusionCityChurch.com and click listen online. You can go back and find last week's where we talked about the first verse um, in, in Philippians 4, 4 through 8, verse 4. And today we're going to look at verse 5. What I want to do before we do anything else is I want to read the whole thing. Now, I told you guys last week that these verses are verses that I, I cite, that I reference, that I quote to people more often than any other verses in Scripture. Because all of us, I, from time to time, are going to find ourselves in the midst of a, of a trying or a difficult situation. And in those situations, we need some peace. We need some calm. We need something to bring clarity in those moments. And that doesn't mean that God is going to change our circumstances, but he can provide us a way through them. He can be with us in the circumstances, and that's exactly what Paul is, is talking about in this passage, Philippians 4. Let's read it together, verses 4 through 8. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I told you guys again, today we're going to look specifically at verse 5. Um, I'd like to set it up like this. Uh, we've, we've done this poll uh, several times but just for the, for, for the sake of, uh, of unity and, and collaboration. How many parents in the room? Show of hands, parents. What are all the parents? Good, awesome. Let, let me tell you guys something that I had to learn as a young parent. 
Um, with our first child especially, we had to learn this because first children, they're always different. It's just, it just is what it is. And second children, much different in lots of ways, uh, <laughs> both in demeanor and parenting style. So with our first child, this is what I had, something I had to learn, right? When my child falls down, I have two little girls, my, when my daughter, so we'll think of her specific. When my daughter falls down and she hurts herself or she thinks that she's hurt, I have one of two choices in how I react, Right? Like I can run to her in a panic. Oh no, baby. Oh no, I'm sorry. Are you okay? Are you okay? And it's that response that typically gets hysteria, right? Because you seem panicked. You seem like you think she's hurt, right? Or, or he, if you have a son. Like how you respond in that moment creates the response that you get from your kid. Right, and I'll be all cards on the table, and for all parents who have multiple children, this is probably you, or it's probably true of you with your first child as well. The first one, when they fall down, you do freak out because you don't realize how resilient they are yet. Right, you learn that with your first child. Now I have a younger daughter, God help her, because when she falls down, I laugh. Right, I just rub some dirt on it. You'll be all right. Like just get up. Like you're good. But here's what I've noticed. With my first child, when I met a, 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 a slip or fall, a trip with panic, she panicked. Now when, when I meet the, the fall down, the slip, as long as there's no serious injury, no blood, no bone sticking out, nothing like that. Like as, long, as long as she's good, like if I laugh at her, you know what I've noticed? She laughs at herself. Same scenario Two vastly different outcomes. Crying, hysterical, inconsolable, or, or laughter. Laughter. All contingent on how I respond to the situation. You see, we learned last week that anxiety can be contagious. The United States of America is the most anxious nation on the planet. Congratulations, we win again, right? We're the most anxious nation on the planet. When people from less anxious nations come here, their anxiety goes up. Anxiety is contagious. You, you, you can catch it from other people who are anxious. Here's the good news. Calm is also Contagious. Which is why Paul tells us in verse 5 of Philippians 4 that we should let your gentleness be known to all men. That word gentleness there. There's really no good English translation of the word here that the New King James Version uses, uh, translates as Gentleness. As a matter of fact, if you go and read lots of other translations uh, of the Bible and go find this verse in particular, you get lots of variations of the word that gets put in place here. Reasonableness, calm, or contentment, uh, compassion. Uh, there, you get lots of different variations of translation when it comes to this particular word because there's no one English word that does that this word in the original language justice. But in all of the translations, there seems to be kind of a, a recurring thought process or a word picture contained within the word here that we see and translate as gentleness. And it's this idea of a contentment, that there's a, there's a peace, a contentment among me that, that I should, Paul says, make known to all 
men. To, to make the peace that I have, the contentment that I have, make it known to all men. And then much like last week where we studied with the term rejoice, that this isn't an empty command or this isn't an empty request, but an anchored command and request. Paul says, let your gentleness be known to all men, period. Next sentence, you could say because or since the Lord is at hand. Let your gentleness be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. You see, it's important that we understand this idea of a, a contentment connected to Christ or a contentment connected to the, to the next sentence that the Lord is at hand. Because this thought that, that we're talking about here in verse 5 is, is the foundation upon which a, a few verses later we're going to get this very bold statement from Paul in one of the probably the most, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, I'm going to say probably the most misused verse in all of Scripture. Philippians 4.13, how many of you know it? Or have seen it on a bumper sticker or a coaster or a meme or like it's, it's used a lot and most often, in my opinion, misused. Right? Philippians 4.13, which says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The cry and chant of boxers before they enter the ring to fight their opponent. I can beat anybody because it's Christ that gives me strength. It's the cry of athletes and victorious people everywhere. But that's it's not really what Paul had in mind when he gave us this verse. As a matter of fact, we, we can pick up the context just one verse sooner. Verse 12 This is what Paul said before he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Before he said that, he said this. He said, I know how to be abased. And I don't know how many of you have the word abased in your common vocabulary. uh, But it means to have little. Right? I know how to be abased. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound or to have much. Everywhere and in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. In other words, the the, the mighty power of the verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, is tied directly to the understanding that I can be content in all circumstances. Because of my reasonableness, because of my gentleness, because of my compassion, because of my care for others, because of my contentment, because I am content that the Lord is at hand. I know how to have a lot, and I know how to have a little. I know how to win, but Bubba, I know how to lose. And in my winning and in my losing, I can do all things. I can win in Christ and be okay. But I can lose and I can suffer in Christ and be okay too. Because it's not about winning or losing. It's about who has won everything and it's him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because I am making my gentleness known to all men for the Lord is at hand. Paul is saying there's no situation that's impossible when we have Jesus. I can do all things because Christ can do all things. And then Paul says that that thing that you're feeling, that contentment that you have, that peace, that calm in the midst of chaos that you can experience because you have a relationship with Christ. 
Make it known to all men. Be contagious because of your connection to Christ. Here's a thought you can write down if you're a note taker and you want to write this down. Contagious calm consists of a constant clinging to Christ. Y'all know how long it took me to come up with that many words to start with letter C? Contagious calm consists of a constant clinging to Christ. There was a moment in the New Testament where Jesus wanted to get this idea across to his disciples. So he decides to test them. I love that Jesus tests his disciples. It makes me feel like sometimes when I feel like God is testing me that he probably is. But he does it for my good in the same way that Jesus did it for the disciples' good. If you've been in church for a while, maybe you've heard the story where Jesus fed 5,000 men on a hillside, as well as women and children. And this is where we find the context for Jesus' test of his disciples. As a matter of fact, he says it like this in John chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, verses 5 and 6. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing a large crowd was coming towards him, that's Jesus. Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Just, we're going to get to the rest of the story and a lot of you already know the story. Here's what I find interesting for, for, for me as I read this this week, again this week. Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but he still asks the question. He still issues the test. God already knows what he wants to do in your life, but you got to step up to the plate and take the test. He already knew what he would do. Now, the disciples weren't thinking about the situation the same way that Jesus was thinking about the situation. The Bible tells us he already knew what he was going to do, and he's issuing them a test. Let's see how they do. Let's read it out of another gospel. Flip back a couple of uh, books over to the book of Matthew. This was the disciples' response recorded for us in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. It says, Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. And the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. I love how they're issuing commands to Jesus here. Just quick sidebar. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. Now, I don't know about you. But I detect a little angst in their voice. You know, most of the time when the, in, in Scripture it's recorded for us, especially in the Gospels, when the disciples come to Jesus to ask him a question or when they come to, to present a problem, that they always start their conversations with, Lord, comma, or Master, comma. Not here. This doesn't start with Lord or Master. It starts with send them away. 
they're telling Jesus what to do. It's almost as if they're being sarcastic, you know. Oh, let me see what we got here, Jesus. We've got um, five loaves and two fish. Hey, Andrew, can you count those again? Make sure there's only five there. Can you count like Jesus? Yep, still five. Like nothing. Like still five, still two. Jesus. This, this is all we got. But it's interesting to me that they see only what they have or what they don't have and miss what they do. Because the person to which they are saying only this limited amount is the person that they had seen do remarkable things. I mean, I got this from the book that we're studying together. I just wanted to share this with you. So far, up to this point in Scripture, right, they've seen him heal a man with leprosy, Matthew 8, verse 3. They've seen him heal the centurion's servant without even going to his house, Matthew 8, 13. They've seen him heal Peter's mother-in-law, which might be why Peter denied him later. But I want to just say, Matthew 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 15. <laughs> That's bad theology, but it's funny. All right. They've seen him calm a violent sea, Matthew 8, verse 26. They've seen him heal a paralytic, Matthew chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. They've seen him heal a woman sick for 12 years. Years and Jesus cures her, Matthew 9, verse 22. They've seen him raise a girl from the dead, Matthew 9, 25. They've seen him drive out an evil spirit, Mark 1, 25. They've seen him heal a demon-possessed man, Mark 5, 15. They've seen him change water to wine, John chapter 2, verse 9. And they've seen him heal a man who was an invalid for 38 years, John chapter 5, verse 9. They've seen it all. And then they look at Jesus. We've only got five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus, what are we going to do? Max Lucado said it like this in his book. He said, did any of the disciples pause long enough to think, well, hmm. Jesus healed the sick people, raised the dead girl, calmed the angry waves. I wonder, might he have a solution we've not thought of? After all, he's standing right here. (laughs) Did it occur to anyone to ask Jesus for help? The stunning answer is no. They acted as if Jesus weren't even present. Rather than count on Christ, they had the audacity to tell the creator of the world that nothing could be done because there wasn't enough money. If you know how this story ends, Jesus fed 5,000 men along with all the women and children, most likely 15,000 people or more present. And he did it with five loaves of bread and two fish. And there were 12 baskets of leftovers. One for every disciple to serve as a reminder that don't count it out 
until you've counted Christ. Don't count it as impossible until you've counted on him. And if you and I are going to make our gentle, reasonable, compassionate contentment known to a world that lives and breathes in a state of chaos, then we've got to know more of the Christ that we claim. We have to know more of the Christ that we claim to know. Now, look, what, what I get to do up here and the stories that I get to tell and the things that I get to say, it's not lost on me. That sometimes the answer sounds too simple. I mean, after all, wouldn't you expect a preacher to tell you that all you need is more Jesus? I mean, come on. Could I be any more preachy or churchy? Could could it sound any more cliche? The truth of the matter is the only reason that that would sound churchy cheesy or like a cliche is if you don't know the same Jesus that I do. Because you see, for, for all the things that I get to read in Scripture and all the cards that, we've got, that I've got laid around up here and all the things that, that I know that he's done in Scripture, I've seen him do similar things in my, in my life. Like I've got the story of the disciples and I'm one of the people, listen, all cards on the table, like I'm one of the guys they would read this story five years ago and say, how could they not believe? How could they be so distraught? How could they miss that Jesus was standing right there? And, and then the very next day, be worried about my job and my marriage and my kids and what comes next for me. But the reality is, that when, when we have a relationship with Christ, when our contentment is tied to his power, we do get this, this, this peace about ourselves. That I can do all things. I can have a great tomorrow or I can have a horrible tomorrow. Either way, the Lord is at hand. He is here. He is present. And he is with me. And the reality is that for a lot of us in the room, if you don't have that peace and that contentment about what comes next, about all the what ifs, it could just very well be because you don't know enough about Jesus. So here's my challenge for all of us in the room today. We've got to get some more of Christ so that we can become that contagiously calm person who has a constant clinging to Christ. Are you the kind of person, ask yourself, Evaluate yourself. Are you the kind of person that other people come to when they're looking for peace? 
Or are you just more of the company that misery loves? Are you the person that someone else is is searching out when they've got a difficult circumstance in their life? Or are you just another person helping to hold the umbrella under the sky that's falling? You see, if you and I are going to become the contagiously calm Christian people that Christ has called us to be, It starts with him, and it ends with him, and it's him throughout, because it's all about him. When we started out this year, we we, we told you that that this year, in 2018, there was going to be a focus in our church on listening for the voice of God. We said that in 2018, we're going to listen Because we believe that God is speaking. And so we started out reading scripture together, reading it together and getting together in our groups and talking about what scripture means. We've we've taught scripture more in-depthly a little this year so far. And we've we've created this, this new focus in our church of a focus on the word of God. And we've asked you every week to read a chapter and to talk about it. And this week is no different. Even, even if you're not in a connect group, you know what we think about connect groups. We've heard us. If you've been here at all, you know we've talked, we talk about them all the time because we believe that, that, that life happens best in community. We believe that circles are better than rows. We believe that you're going to get more out of a connect group than you're going to get out of a Sunday morning. And that if you're not attending a connect group, you're missing out on the best part of Fusion City Church. That's truth. I love this. I love getting to do this. I like being up here and talking. But I'm telling you, you'd be better served in a connect group than even coming on a Sunday morning. You need both. But if you had to pick one, I'd tell you to pick a group. But for all of that, even, even if you're not part of that. That was my Connect Group commercial. Did y'all catch that? Even, even if, even if you, you, you can't or won't or whatever it is, we want you to be in the Word. Because it's in the Word that you're going to find more of Christ. And in finding more of Christ, you're going to find more of the peace that Christ offers. So this week, we, we've challenged our connect group attendees and we're challenging you as a church. Our, our reading, our chapter for this week is Philippians chapter 2. And in Philippians chapter 2, Paul talks all about who we are in Christ. And how we are supposed to be a, a light into the world that shines. That we are to let our gentleness, our reasonableness, our compassion, our contentment be known by all men. You can't offer something you don't own. You can't give away something you don't have. So maybe, just maybe, you need to start with Christ. Here's what I'd like to do. If you would, just bow your heads for a moment. And in the quietness and the stillness of this time, would you evaluate your calm, your peace, your contentment? Ask yourself, 
how real is Jesus in my situations? How prevalent is the presence of Christ in your circumstances? If you can't find him, or if he's not powerful enough to help you overcome the perpetual state of anxiety that torments your life. I'm going to ask you in this moment to surrender. To give your all, your very life, your control, your fear, your anxiety, and your worry over to him. And I want you to tell them, and it doesn't matter how you say it or what you say. It just matters that you make a commitment of submission to his authority and power over your life. Maybe it would sound something like this. Father, Lord, I've been trying to to win my battles on my own. God, I've, I've fought the war against anxiety and worry and fear, and God, I'm losing. And I believe, God, that what I need in my life is not more of me. It is not more of my ability or my power or my strength or my anything. But, God, what I need in my life more than anything is your son, Jesus. And the hope and the power and the peace that comes in a relationship with him. So, God, in this moment, I surrender. God, I give it to you because I believe that you have the power to do that which I cannot do, to overcome that which I cannot overcome. And, God, I don't have to understand why all the things that are going on in my life are happening to still have access to the peace that passes my understanding because of my relationship with your son, Christ Jesus. And, God, I commit in this moment, to let my gentleness then be known by all men because my Lord, Christ Jesus, is at hand. God, I thank you that you've made it possible for me to have a relationship with him. I thank you, Father, for the hope that comes with it. And I pray all these things. In his name, amen.